This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen here with you. With nearly 65,000 new cases of it occurring in this year alone, thyroid cancers seem to be on the rise in this country. Here to fill us in on what we need to know about this disease is Dr. Scott Albert. He's Assistant Professor of Surgery and the Chief of the Division of Breast, Endocrine, and Plastic Surgery at Upstate Medical University. Welcome, Dr. Albert. Thanks so much for coming in. Good morning. So let me um, start by just a general you know, definition. When we say thyroid cancer, what are we talking about? Yeah, we're generally de- defining cancer as, uh, you know, a collection of abnormal cells within the gland that have uh, the potential um, to spread elsewhere. Um, that's generally what we think of as a cancer, is its ability to either regrow or spread to other parts of the body. Let's help us understand the thyroid. Tell us more about what it is, where it is, and what does it do for us? Mm-hmm. The thyroid gland is a, it's a pretty small organ. It's you know uh, 30 to 50 uh, grams, really, and it sits in the neck, the base of the neck, and it controls your metabolism. So it really has a vital role in your, in your body's health. And uh, frequently, the thyroid can develop problems, whether it's uh, overactive or underactive, and it can control your uh, metabolism that way. So uh, when we do surgery on the thyroid, it's actually necessary to replace that vital function with uh, a thyroid medication, which is um, the exact same hormone that your thyroid makes. So uh, it's uh, it's a really effective uh, way to treat problems with the thyroid, namely if you have your thyroid gland removed. But it's key to key part of your body's function, really. So that hormone is thyroxine, is that correct? Correct, yeah. So that hormone basically helps regulate your heart rate, your blood pressure, your body temperature, and your overall weight. That's correct, yeah. All of those things. Yeah. It has, Pretty uh, important. Very important. It has a, a variety, a multitude of factors and functions, and, uh, and uh, that's how oftentimes people present if there's abnormalities in the function of the thyroid. Now, the function of the thyroid usually is unrelated to actually thyroid nodules. Um, Those just th- co-occur. Typically. I mean, do, some thyroid nodules can be uh, overactive, um, but oftentimes uh, when I tell patients you have nodules and you have thyroid functional problems, and, and oftentimes they can be separate. So is it actually on the rise, or does it have to do more with our current methodology of, of just detecting it? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, clearly, we do more and more scans. I, I, I can tell you how many times I see patients with thyroid nodules because of uh, they've got an MRI of their spine or they've been in a car accident and they had a trauma, and then we get a CT scan that includes the base of the neck. And so that's by far the most common way that I see nodules. And, and as those nodules are a certain size, we will biopsy them and find thyroid cancer. The most of the rise in thyroid cancer is in papillary thyroid cancer, and most of the rise is in nodules that are about a centimeter or less. So that tells me that these are being found incidentally, um, in part because of scanning. And they are cancer, though. They are cancerous. Um, so the question would be, we're finding more, and we may be find, finding them incidentally, but in fact, does that mean that we are that there is a rise in this type of cancer? It's hard to know because uh, now if we start looking at, uh, you know, there are some actual autopsy studies out there where many people probably live with thyroid cancer their whole life and it just is so slow growing that it doesn't impact their lifespan. 
I think that's a key point. It is. That it's not necessarily life-threatening. Correct. And does it always affect the function? I mean, you, what you were alluding to is you can have, you can have a, a, um, a nodule living on the thyroid and have, can you have normal thyroid function despite Abs- that? Absolutely, yeah. The thyroid, even people that have many nodules, oftentimes their thyroid is working properly. Once in a while, we see some abnormalities, and we do check the thyroid function when we see nodules. But typically, most commonly, I'll see patients uh, that have nodules and their thyroid is working uh, perfectly fine. And are there nodules also or growths that are benign on the thyroid? Yeah, the majority of uh, uh, growths or nodules on the thyroid are actually benign. If you look at all nodules... um, probably 5 to 10% are actually cancerous, even if you biopsy them all. In fact, when we look at nodules, one of the more important things that we look at now is how they appear under ultrasound, because ultrasound's a great test for the thyroid gland. You can see nodules very well, and we can see a lot of features that are either making that nodule low or high risk, and so we can help classify a nodule as concerning or not based on Really, an ultrasound is, is probably the best test. Yeah, we're going to get a little bit more to those yeah. diagnostic tests, but that's very, obviously that's non-invasive, Correct. and that's very that's very positive. So who's at risk? I mean, who are the most likely candidates to develop thyroid cancer now? Okay, now I'm not just talking about nodules. Correct. Um, so for thyroid cancer, the, you know, the, the risks are clearly a family history. You know, a strong family history of thyroid cancer would, would put someone at, at risk. Also, you know, if they've clearly had exposure to radiation. So we, ha- we learned a lot from Chernobyl about radiation and its impact on thyroid cancer. Those are the kind of the most glaring risks. Are um, men or women more likely to develop them? Women are, are more likely to develop thyroid cancer. And, uh, and the other thing is, you know, women kind of in, a, in younger ages can also develop thyroid cancer. So we, we're more attuned to, you know, nodules in, in the younger age group. In general, thyroid, you know, cancers in general probably develop in older age groups, but, you know, thyroid cancer is one of those that can develop in, in the younger population. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen along with thyroid surgeon Dr. Scott Albert. We're talking about thyroid cancer. So there's been some recent buzz in the scientific community talking about this whole idea of reclassifying some of these tumors. Now, you and I have just talked about the fact that you can have nodules in the in the thyroid that are benign, basically. But then there are tumors that have been classified as cancerous in the past, and there's this, a new way to look at that. Can you explain that? Yeah. Um, so typically when we um, investigate thyroid nodules, oftentimes we do a biopsy, and that's a very uh, fine needle aspiration, we call it, because it's a very you know, uh, a a small needle that's really kind of uh, pretty easy on the patient. And what we do is we aspirate cells, and those cells are then looked at by a a pathologist, and they classify those nodules into six categories. I usually tell people four, but, you know, in the gray area are are indeterminate nodules. And, And those nodules can not always be determined based on FNA without, at this point, without either removal of those nodules. FNA is? Fine needle aspiration. Okay, got it. Yeah. Um, and so one of the issues has been, you know, how do we deal with some of these indolent tumors that we were calling cancers before? Um, 
typically the standard treatment has been removal of the whole thyroid gland, sometimes radioactive iodine, and, and perhaps we're probably over-treating many of these thyroid cancers. So when you say indolent for our listeners, basically something that would be very apt, as you had said earlier, to, to grow quite slowly mm -hmm. and perhaps never truly cause any harm to the host, so to speak. Correct, yeah. Indolent, meaning, yeah, just uh, may grow slowly at that one spot, but really has no risk of spreading elsewhere. Um, uh, those are typically indolent-type tumors. And, and the recent article had really classified one of the uh, thyroid cancers into, uh, you know, taking the cancer word out of the, of the diagnosis to help us discuss the options with the patient. But that seems to be a real kind of a bugaboo or a problem. Once something has been called cancer, I don't think if, you, if you're the person who's being told that diagnosis, you most often want to do everything possible to treat that cancer. And I think that, that this new kind of approach, while from a public health standpoint, may make all the sense in the world, which is perhaps to just watch it or to continue to monitor over time and not take more active uh, intervention, can make the individual patient somewhat anxious. Is that is that some, it seems to me somewhat similar as to what's been talked about in terms of active surveillance with the prostate cancer situation. Yeah, I think it helps in the sense that when the word cancer is sometimes thrown around a little loosely in, in our discussions, it really changes the mindset of the patient. So when we have a discussion about maybe over-treatment, they don't often hear that and they would want everything done even though the treatments may actually cause more harm than just observing or, or surveilling that patient. Um, so I think in this case by reclassifying this tumor into and taking the word cancer out it may be helpful in having the discussion of maybe you don't need all the treatments that a typical thyroid cancer may get. Um, and so I can, it, it's more, I tell people oftentimes it's more of a chronic disease in the sense that we follow you, make sure there's no problems, um, rather than you know over-treating with, with the word cancer so in the terminology. Let's get to the treatment then, because you're alluding to the fact that the treatment in, at times can cause some problematic side effects. Correct. I mean, for one thing, if you take the entire thyroid, then you're on thyroxine for life. Correct. Um, I don't know what potential sequelae or problems that that brings. But let's go through the treatments. What is the most obvious or the most common treatment? So for someone with a, a thyroid cancer, we take the whole thyroid gland out, which generally people do very well. Um, but there are some complications with uh, nerves in the area or low calcium after surgery, um, you know, wound problems. But I would say generally people do very well. Um, and then you need to be on thyroid replacement medication or levothyroxine. And some of the others you mentioned briefly was radioactive iodine is one? Yeah, so some patients now, and we're starting to be a little bit more selective with using radioactive iodine. In the past, we would do, for anyone who had a thyroid cancer, take the whole thyroid gland out and give them radioactive iodine for everyone. Now... And that was to do <clears throat> what? To kill any remaining cells? Correct. Perhaps? Yeah, so thyroid cells actually take up iodine so there's very few parts, and they really take up a lot of iodine. So we use that to our advantage by giving radioactive iodine. So that goes to thyroid cells and destroys those tissues. So any remaining thyroid cells would be destroyed by radioactive iodine. But now you're not doing that as often because? 
Yeah, we found that it's probably not beneficial to all patients to get radioactive iodine. And there are obviously some side effects with radioactive iodine too. Um, you know, higher doses can cause, uh, you know, a dry mouth. Um, we talk more about secondary malignancies with higher and higher oh, doses really? of radioactive iodine, although controversial. I think that's at least a consideration. Is chemotherapy ever used? It's very rare um, to give chemotherapy. More commonly, now we may give, uh, you know, external beam radiation for more aggressive types of uh, thyroid cancer. But for typical thyroid cancers, chemotherapy is hardly ever used. So radiation therapy is used occasionally chemo is hardly ever. How about this new targeted drug therapy, this whole idea of immunotherapy? So are they ever used for the thyroid? We are starting to use some, uh, we call them TKIs or tyrosine kinase inhibitors. They are a little bit more selective and they're probably beneficial for some types of thyroid cancer. But again, we tend to use those for cancers that are more aggressive and maybe have have uh, we've exhausted our other treatment options so so those would be adjunctive in other words you Correct. would first do surgery is probably your main line surgery, first yeah. line mm-hmm. you remove the, the 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 whole entire thyroid even if it's only been involved with a smaller area in terms Correct. of the cancer so basically what's the prognosis i have a little bit of time we have left is it a good prognosis generally to, if you have thyroid cancer and it's and it's found at a reasonable time yeah, the vast majority of patients do very well after the diagnosis of thyroid cancer and treatment. Um, you know, with 65,000 new cases per year, you know, only 1,000 or 1,500 patients actually die of thyroid cancer per year. So the, so generally, people do do very, very well. And, and the most common types of thyroid cancers is, is, are the ones that do very well. So, so That's uh, basically good news. Correct, yeah. So I think uh, it goes back to, are we over-treating some of these thyroid cancers? And I think the answer is probably yes. Well, that can be a further discussion at some point, but thank you so much for coming in and sharing all that very, very helpful information. My guest has been Dr. Scott Albert. He's Assistant Professor of Surgery and the Chief of the Division of Breast and Endocrine and Plastic Surgery at Upstate Medical University. I'm Linda Cohen. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air.